The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. I've already been dead for such a very, very long time. But I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. Film Podcast. This is a spoiler podcast. And now, your hosts, Tim S. Turner and Kelly Hogaboo. Hello and welcome back to Beauty of the Beast and the Bees. We've got more social distancing fare for you this month with three films sure to tickle your fancy. First up, Elizabeth Moss is fighting an unseen enemy in the latest Invisible Man. From the Lifetime Network comes Eric Roberts at his creepiest in Stalked by My Doctor. And from the VHS vaults, we have Jess Franco's Spanish Jallo, Bloody Moon. But before we get to all of that, please help me welcome back to the microphone my co-host and the founder of the B-Movie BFFs website, Kelly Hogaboom. Hey, Tim. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, so, I, we, we were just talking about the, the uh, social distancing thing and, uh, what is it called? It went shelter in place. And, uh, right. Uh, I, now, didn't you say that that because of this you're actually working more and not watching movies, unlike me? Uh, yeah, I do notice how much you're watching. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I have just been working a lot in the last... Um, it feels like it kind of took off about a year ago. I just work, work... Like, I work till midnight. Like, it's really... Um, I'm just in a very high creative uh, place with my work. So uh, I'm, I'm not watching that much. I have been watching a few wonderful things, but no, I don't watch nearly as much. Um, and so, of course, you know, people know I love B-movies, and they're, they recommend stuff to me all the time, and I'm like, I'll get to it when I get to it, you know? <laughs> so you've been watching anything interesting, though, at all? Or? Oh, yeah, actually, I have to tell you, I, I'm not sure how many more podcasts I'll record, because I have watched my favorite movie of all time, and I won't be watching movies ever again, because, <laughs> like, nothing, nothing can top my experience of Midsummer. I loved it so much. Oh, uh, yes, I, I, I seem to recall several posts about... Uh, <laughs> The glories of midsummer. I I just I like first of all you know me and um, you know I don't even like to know who's in the movie. I don't want to see a trailer. You know I really am like spoiler averse. You like to go in cold. Absolutely cold and like honestly sometimes that backfires. But usually it's a great <laughs> it's a great 
I mean, it's wonderful. So I, I avoided as much as I could about Midsummer, And so besides an image or two, I went in and I, I kind of, you know, gleaned that it was a folk horror film, you know. So I did watch it and um, I loved it. I mean, I loved Hereditary, Ari Aster's um, other, and he made those movies one on top of the other, which is astonishing. Yeah. Um, and I loved Hereditary and I loved Midsummer even more. And so um, I, I'm really looking forward to when my oldest child is ready to watch it because it's a pretty intense film. Yes. Um, and I'm going to just, I just, I, I just have to tell you, like, I loved it. I I mean, it really is one of my favorite films I've ever seen. And I also just like good horror because, I mean, you know, we watch a lot of bad horror, Tim. Sure. Right? Like, and this was a good one. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just can't speak highly enough of it. I just, it, it was like three movies in one and it, I just loved it. So it, it, is this now the new Attack of the Crab Monsters for a new generation? Oh, you know, it's... <laughs> You just—that's just so apples and oranges. That's—that's that's apples versus paper mache oranges. Like it, it's just not the same. I did. You know what's funny is I recently did rewatch Crab Monsters. Um, yes. And of course you did. Yeah. And I—I I also watched. You know. And by the way, for any any of our three listeners, I am I am prepared to go. I mean, I I want to discuss Midsummer so much. Um, I did turn my friend on to season one, The Terror, and so she's. She's now got the terror bug, so I get to talk about that with her. And um, I, uh, yeah, I got a. Um, there was like a bail project fund drive on isolation hunks on Instagram, and they I donated isolation to. Th- yes, that's a great account, by the way. So I, d- I donated to the bail project, and in my oh. name, they did a the terror hunk um, post. I'll have to send that to you because it was you'll you'll die. The hashtags are hilarious. Then the the other thing I want to mention is uh, we did Phoenix and I, my oldest. We did watch the original The Invisible Man again. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of our favorite films, and I have it's to say, it's a great film. It's such a great film, and I feel like it's a little bit underrated. Like people don't talk about it that much, and it's really an astonishing film. Oh, the effects for that time yeah. are really stunning. They still look great. In fact, we were yeah. talking about how some of the effects in this one are, are in the old one, are better than. I mean, they're they're pretty cool effects. They're they're um, effective, you know. Um. Yeah, I I actually it's funny you mentioned that because I have kind of been trying to go through like the original you know, Universal horror classic stuff again since I've had plenty of time, mm-hmm. uh, and and that is one that I I think gets kind of overlooked even though it's directed by James Whale, you know who did uh, Frankenstein Bride of Frankenstein um, and and uh, the Old Dark House which is another one that people don't talk about as much right. Um, Great. Uh, by the way, the best thing about that movie is is, is uh, Claude Rains with his, his, he does the whole performance mostly is his voice. Right. And he, in order, I think in order to play the Invisible Man, you have to have a great voice. Yeah. And he does. I mean, it, it, the only other person I could think off the top of my head from that era that might have been, uh, you know, pretty suited to that would be like James Mason. That'd be good. You know, it's, you know. Uh, I, I remember the first time I saw The Invisible Man, I looked up more about Claude Rains, and I guess he did have elocution lessons. So, mm. you know, he put work into his voice. Yeah. And, yeah, you only see the, him, uh, his face, you know, towards the end, at the very end. 
Yeah. Um, but he is just such a great psychopath. He is really well, he's very scary. You know, um, it's not so much what he does, it's his mindset. It's, he's very nasty. He's a nasty little son of a bitch. And um, <laughs> it's also just got great pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got, even though it's, a, it's definitely a horror film, um, of course, it's also a sci-fi film, but it has some comedy to it as well. Oh, yeah. And it's just such a great, great film. Like, I feel like it, it, almost anyone would enjoy it. Um, even people like my husband who tend to not like black and white films <laughs> on principle. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I, I just think it's great. Yeah, there, there's there's some... Because it's a James Whale film, there's a lot of, you know, great British character actors in there. And uh, what's his name? E.E. Uh, e. Clive is the uh, the constable <laughs> that comes in, you know. Right. He's all eaten away. Right. <laughs> What's all this then? Yeah, that which is lampooned in so many like sketches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been watching. Um, well, I've, I've watched some really terrible horror films. My goodness. Um, I, I uh, what was that horrible one that I uh, I posted about? Uh, oh, uh, Night Killer. Okay. Which is this dreadful Italian slasher film from the the mid '80s? Um, so, in this one, what it is is like, you know, okay, you've got a mass killer, right? And he's got the it's this really lame rubber monster mask and and a rubber monster hand. So like the hand has these long kind of claw fingernail things on them, but they're clearly rubbery, right? Okay. They show you this thing when he he's always holding his hand up and kind of twiddling his fingers like, ah, you know. And then his his M.O., every time he kills somebody, is basically he rams his hand through their torso. Right, okay. <laughs> like the human torso is made of tofu or something. Which it and so just... often is in these movies, right? Like, it, like it can yeah. just squish someone's head by just, like, stomping on it, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's absolutely hilarious because it, it's... It's it's so unrealistic, and and they by showing the hand, the rubbery hand, and then I mean you have to already accept that he can put his arm through a human torso, <laughs> right? But then the fact that it's like this stupid rubber hand thing, uh, it's, I don't know. Um, and then uh, the other stuff I've been watching is there, uh, Warner Archive put out um, a, a, a little box set of the five. Uh, detective films that uh, Wild Bill Elliott did after his reign in westerns in the 40s and 50s and uh, they're just they're these low budget uh, detective kind of procedural almost like they're kind of based on on uh, you know dragnet okay. kind of style and you know they're B movies they're about an hour long uh, there's nothing spectacular about them but they're entertaining on a, a you know a B movie action kind of level um, and uh, I think it's like what, not even twenty bucks for the box set of the five. So, okay. uh, you know they're they're pretty entertaining. Um, but you know, I, oh, and I I've been re- uh, finishing watching uh, rewatching Hannibal also. Um, and every it's funny even every time I step away and I come back to it, it's like God, has there ever been a more beautiful show on television as far as just like the aesthetics of it? Oh. it it's absolutely stunning. I kind of bailed after season one, so I'm not remembering that. Um, it's so weird that you say that, because my mom literally just sent me an email, like, just now. And she <laughs> she was like, 
she was bitching about Hannibal, and she said, "Don't watch it while you're eating." And then, oh. like, but that's just really weird because she sends me an email about once every three weeks. So it's weird that you and my mom, <laughs> you and my mom, are on a Hannibal wavelength. Yeah. Um. Well. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Hannibal. It's just uh. The the thing about it, I always found st- uh, amazing was that that the the level of gore that they were able to get away with. Right. Uh, on network television. Now, granted, for most of its run, it was on like Saturday night or something at ten o'clock, and you know, which is prime time of no one watching television. Um, so that's probably how they were able to get away with it. But um, I just watched the arc. They just finished the arc that was basically taken from you know the movie Hannibal, and I was like, oh, they're not going to really show the scene with the. Uh, Inspector Potsy getting, uh, you know, <laughs> eviscerated and dumped out the window, and his guts hitting the ground and everything. Yes, they did. Yeah, so they did it, huh? <laughs> Holy shit! They they showed it on. And that was in an R-rated movie, and they did it on on NBC. I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I there's not much less left other than full frontal nudity to be on network television at this point. I guess. I, yeah, I I seem to I remember the gore. Um, uh, you know, when I watched it, but I also like I'm a little unsophisticated about television politics. You know, not not having ever had TV, I'm always kind of like I'm never aware of like what do they show, what do they not. You know, I definitely remember when they didn't say words like bitch and stuff like that, which yeah. which is you know on everything now. But yeah, uh, Hannibal's definitely um, if you like that sort of intense and frankly ridiculous pageantry of. You know, I, I seem to remember there was like a sculpture made up of bodies. Like, a, like oh, yeah, they yeah. made a giant hum, uh, t- human totem pole. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. On a beach, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's, it's funny because, like, when you see it on the show, it's really creepy and impressive. And then you go, no. Right. <laughs> How right. in the hell did this guy do this right. in one night with nobody seeing it? He's got some time on his hands, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's literally like 15 feet tall. How did he do that? that I think that was about when I tapped out. Because wasn't that... With, <laughs> that was an episode with Lance Henriksen, whom I adore. But I feel like mm. that was the last episode I watched. But I I don't know for sure. Yeah, Henriksen was... It was it was a one-off, which is a yes. shame because I, I really like him. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, um, and um, I also want to point out, I watched mm. The Shining with Phoenix as well. So oh, he, yeah. Yes. So I just want to say, and I've said it before, watching horror with my my child is just one of my favorite experiences because, you know, your kid has your, like, it's like you've raised your perfect movie companion. Um, (laughs) And it really is. Ralph said, he's like, you created a little mini me with your, and it's really wonderful. Of course, my other (laughs) child, my other child won't even watch like a film. Like, he doesn't watch movies at all, so it's very, very funny. So, I so just, he's like a mini Ralph. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've been begging Nels, my youngest, my 16-year-old, I'm like, I want to watch something with you. Like, so we're trying to pick something that he's willing to sit through. But um, <laughs> I have to say, it was, I love The Shining. Like, I, th- mm-hmm. I, I don't like Stanley Kubrick as a person, and I don't like all of his films, but that film is very, very well done. And, oh, yeah. Um, it was really a pleasure to watch it with my, uh, with my kid. And you know, when Lloyd the barman showed up, uh, mm-hmm. Phoenix said, 
said, oh, at first I thought that was uh, Lance Henriksen. And I'm like, I just love that my 18-year-old knows who Lance... Like, he's getting this great, you know, movie <laughs> education. Well, thank but, God. Yeah, I know. Someone has to carry it on. I can't remember that actor's name, though, that plays Lloyd, but... Uh, Joseph Turkle. Yeah, and didn't he pass, like, just a couple years ago? I think he died. Oh, well, actually, I think he... I think he passed away in the 80s, didn't he? Oh, okay. He's been gone um, for a while. Because he did that. He did that in Blade Runner kind of back to back. Oh, wait. Um, I looked him up and I guess he's still alive. <laughs> we both suck. Okay. Yeah, we do, we do suck and we kind of, that's kind of not cool. Well, hopefully he's not. He's, 90, he's 92 and hopefully he's not Jesus listening. Um, who was it that died then? It was the Sorry other. Sorry we buried you, Joe. Oh, yeah. Uh, hmm. Oh dear. All right. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. So it sounds like we're both watching a lot of creepy shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been I've been definitely watching some uh, some bizarre stuff. Uh, but most of it, I, I I've been disappointed in a lot of stuff. I, so I think a lot of the things that I've been watching have been older because the newer stuff has just been so bad. Uh huh. <clears throat> and not even like necessarily fun bad just bad bad right we we finally uh, canceled netflix i've had netflix for 20 years and we finally yeah. canceled it so and ralph my husband last night he's like i don't even notice that we've canceled it and i'm like well it sounds like we made an okay decision then yeah <laughs> honestly netflix is just really kind of for me I, I i might be on the verge of canceling it myself just because there's really not much on there I'm interested in anymore. All my British stuff went to BritBox, so mm -hmm. I got that. And, um, uh, you know, the Marvel shows, they're all going to leave and go over to Disney. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's really not... And their horror selection, for the most part, is horrible. Um, not a lot that really interests me. So, And I'm not, a, like, really that interested in, like, oh, I think I'll get into the Tiger King. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be watching that one. Um, no. Yeah. Well. Uh, so, uh, do you want to lead us off on our first movie for the month? Right on. Okay. So, um, how far would a man go for love? Well, hell if we know. How far would a talented, psychopathic, manipulative, manipulative optics engineer go to maintain control of his ex? Oh goody, this sounds like the kind of movie that I love to watch in daylight. After all, an invisible man can rule the world. No one will see him come, no one will see him go. The invisible man, he can rob and rape and kill. Switch, switch to decaf and fire up 2020's psychological reboot, The Invisible Man. As the attorney representing Adrian's trust, I'm required to read a prepared statement. Cecilia, although our relationship was far from perfect, I thought that you would talk to me rather than run away. Are you okay? Open the door! What happened to him? He cut his wrists. Per his final wishes, you're getting five million dollars. Contingent, of course, on the fine print. He can't be ruled to be mentally incompetent. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let him haunt you. Hello? I'm scared. 
scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Are you okay? Someone sitting in that chair. I found something that can prove what I'm experiencing. You need help. Adrian is dead. I went to his house today. He's not dead. I have a pile of ashes in the box that would disagree with you. He has figured out a way to be invisible. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is coming up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. Adrian's true genius was how he got in people's heads. Don't come any closer. Hey! I'm not crazy. Please listen to me. You're saying the person trying to kill you is in the room right now, but we can't see him? He's listening. Where are you? Where are you? Show yourself! Come on! Do it! There you are. Okay, so I finally uh, got this, and and I was glad that I did wait a little while because at first it was like, like we discussed, it was like, oh, you, to rent it, it's twenty bucks, right? And I was like, what? It's like now I waited, I waited and waited, and then oh, then it was four ninety nine, and I right. was like, okay, good, because <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like paying twenty bucks for a movie at home. Well, and um, they, I think they did yeah. that because they. It happened right at lockdown time, right? The movie right. got released, right? So you could watch it at home. Yeah. But uh, I, I have to say, I, I remember when I saw the trailer for it, <clears throat> and I really wasn't that interested. And it just, I don't know, nothing about it really caught my imagination. But when I finally watched it, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I liked the fact that they didn't go with the... Uh, special formula that turns him invisible it's an actual suit it's based i mean granted it's bullshit science but it is based on science <laughs> and um i actually thought it was very clever uh with uh, the way they did it um and i i'm a i'm a big elizabeth moss fan um, yeah I, I as an actress i think that uh, uh she's probably one of our better actresses out there um I think the one issue I have with the movie is uh, I we don't really get to know the Invisible Man at all. Uh, he's 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 a cipher, really. It's like you see him at the beginning when he chases her out of the when she escapes from the house, and you see he see I guess uh, she drops her prescription bottle. And you see him, he picks it up and gets that look like, doh, you know. And then the next thing we know, he's dead, supposedly. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we don't see him again until the last 30 minutes, I think. Um, and so it's hard for... I, when you have to have a, a great movie villain, there's got to be something there to latch on to. 
as far as what is it about this this this, this character? Uh, is 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 he charismatic? Is he? We know he's evil. We know right out of, right from the get go that he's a bad guy. Uh, he's 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 abusive. He's obsessive. He's a creep. But beyond that, we never really find out anything else. Oh, all right. And you know, and that that to me is that's my only complaint because I actually really really like the movie. Um, I really because uh, I think like I said I think Elizabeth Moss I I think she's great and she does a really good job of uh, portraying a woman that I think a lot of women can identify with you know who are being gaslighted by their their significant other um, and I've actually known people who have been through that so uh, it, there was a lot of a lot realistic to me in that performance. I, I just kind of wish that we had seen just a little bit more of um, what's his name, Adrian, uh, before he became the Invisible Man. Yeah, wow. Like, <clears throat> I have a very different perspective on that. Um, so you know, I I would probably wouldn't have been in a huge hurry to watch this film. Um, of course, the reboots of the Universal horror, you know, they've been pretty, you know touch and go they, they kind of bombed <laughs> yeah yeah they've, they've <laughs> yeah. been struggling um this film i think did pretty well but yeah but actually uh, a lot of uh feminist sources that i love and trust had just stunning things to say about the film and so that's yeah. one reason i wanted to watch it and also because uh frankly it's a pretty scary premise you know so being a man that's invisible um is a scary premise and yeah. you know we talked about how much the how great the original film was and as far as a reboot goes, this is almost a thousand percent re- reboot. There is almost nothing except for the premise of, you know, if a, if a bad person could be invisible, what would he do? I mean, right. otherwise, there's just no- nothing. Like, he doesn't have a formula that sort of drives him um, further into the, you know, brink. Like, he, he's he's a creep from the beginning, and he uses oh, his, yeah. his tech savvy. And, it's, and I <laughs> felt like this is what uh, we're seeing occasionally horror films that actually center the victim's perspective and that don't have a cartoony bad guy because really he's just a regular bad guy and you know um, a lot of women unfortunately do have including myself do have experience with this kind of guy and Mm -hmm. I liked that we we don't need to know him and more to the point we know him through what she says about him the almost everything you get to know about this guy comes from her testimony and one of the things I loved about the film is the very moment. So she, the film starts out with her having drugged him and she's made her escape plan and she escapes with the help of her sister. And then she goes and as, as per prearrangement, she uh, stays with a friend of hers who's a cop. And of course, I really worried about the cop from the very beginning. Oh, I sure. Was, I, I <laughs> didn't think the film would kill the cop's teenage daughter, but I was, was pretty sure the film was going to kill off um, her cop friend, her handsome yeah. cop friend. And this is, of course, a spoiler podcast, and the, the film did not kill off her friend, which was great. Um, so she goes to stay with this cop friend, and then the minute that the shenanigans start going down, she knows that he's it's her ex she's like yep he's dead but i know somehow he's not dead and as someone who has experienced and survived domestic abuse i actually love that she she knows it's him and people don't believe her because of course they're not going to and um she's just 
there's no part where she's like, what's happening to me? She freaking knows what's happening to her. And I yeah. really liked how that was portrayed. <clears throat> I and, thought she was a great heroine, yeah. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> you know, it's so rare that horror films, <clears throat> you know, really center the the female victims in a way that I find compelling and realistic. And I feel like this film did. And it's kind of funny because I, I really do have to watch it again because there were a lot of scenes that were just really tense. <laughs> and so I was very like, like, uh, you know, I was half watching some of those like drawn out scenes where you're like, you just know that guy's in the room somewhere. <laughs> right? so, yeah. Oh yeah. Like I was very, very on edge the whole time. I have to say, I did see one, there was one part that, uh, that kind of bugged me. So she knows he's there and at, at uh, her, her place. Actually, I'm trying to remember, is it, I think it's at her, when she, is she at her place? I think it is. I think it's right before she decides, she freaks out and goes and stays with uh, her, the cop. Um, she's there and she, she goes up to the attic and he's coming after her and she goes and she dumps a bucket of white paint on him. Okay. I think she's in and, the cop's house by then. I think she's there. Oh, the is whole that time. the cop's house? I'm pretty okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she dumps the bucket of white paint on him and he falls and you see he goes supposedly he goes in the kitchen cuz you hear the water come on and next thing you know like that's it. And it's like, "Well, wait a minute. Now if she dumped this all over his head, which we saw, where, where are the footprints? Mm -hmm. There's no trail of, of paint spatter or nothing. There's no way he could have washed it all off in that amount of time. And where, I mean, where's the scene where she has to find the screwdriver and painstakingly um, pry that paint lid up? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever tried opening one of those right, freaking cans? Exactly, yeah. Oh, my God. You know, it's kind of but, funny because, like, um, you know, you would think of a, a modern-day Invisible Man film would be very special effects heavy. And while the special effects were fine, that they yeah. kind of weren't the centerpiece of the film. It was kind of interesting because I, I kind of expected a lot of corny special effects moments, and there weren't that many. Um, mm -mm. And you know, the suit apparently, apparently something like that is somewhat credible, at least according to some tech magazine article I read. But the suit is kind of a corny premise, you know. And there were a few scenes where someone would have had to get in and out of that suit pretty quick. And that was also yes. pretty silly, right? Particularly at the end. Yes, exactly. That was a big... It's like, that thing was a skin tight... Like, the, the idea that you're going to strip down and pull that thing on in just a couple minutes was pretty funny. Well, yeah, and pull it on and then pull... Go do your dirty work, then pull, pull it off again right. and you come out and your hair looks great. Exactly. That, that was, a, <laughs> that was a, a notable... I mean, of course, we're not watching this psychological sci-fi horror... For realism however right. there were a few yeah. moments that you were like you know and um i also like the fact that there wasn't a high body count in this film you know yeah well yes and no i mean the only other than her sister the only the, the, he, he murders like 15 security guards i couldn't or something. tell if he murdered them or if he incapacitated them i feel like uh, they were mostly incapacitated i i i thought they're all like filled with bullets and slash no and in fact there's a scene where he threatens he threatens several people with the gun and then he doesn't bother pulling the trigger um mm. a few times uh but yeah that <clears throat> cop scene was interesting because it was kind of like the special effects climax of the film right and i was like how many yeah. security cards do guards does this facility have right yeah <laughs> 
It was like Ninja 3 with the cops, right? Just like pouring out of there. I will say, one of the things I really did like is when she escaped from the mental hospital. And you see he's about to actually kill that one cop or security guard. And he's, the security guard sees him kind of like phasing in and phasing out because the, the suit's damaged. Right. And now they believe her. Right. And I was like, wow, they actually had somebody see it and believe it. Because like most movies would be like, well, I don't know what that was, but, you know, and then like disregard what she said. No, they actually believe her and let her go. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like when, when she, um, excuse me, when the... When she's at dinner with her sister and the invisible man murders her sister in public, you know, uh, right in front of her, you knew that, okay, that means that people are going to have to end up finding out, and be- right? Because there's no- nothing yeah. else that would exonerate her for, for that murder. So you kind of knew somehow it was going to go that direction. Um, I will say, like, Phoenix predicted that the brother was in on it. I didn't particularly predict that. Um, oh, yeah, I did. And I didn't predict yeah. that he was going to show back up at the end um, under the guise of being kidnapped. Like, that that was kind of, you know, we got to actually see the actor. And, you know, Oliver, I think his name is Oliver Jackson Cohen. Um, I've yes. seen him in some uh, British stuff long before, you know, from a while ago. But he was also, um, and I know you didn't like The Haunting of Hill House, but he was a really standout um, aspect to that series. He played the youngest brother, and um, he was amazing in that. And, and, of course, he was very sympathetic and very sweet. So it was kind of cool to see him playing a absolute creep douchebag, you know. Um, so, <laughs> even though we only saw him for, what, ten minutes at the end. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about the ending, by the way? Um, I was a little confused um, about a couple things. Uh, I... I could not tell, and I would have to watch it again, if she was going there with the purpose of killing him or um, or not. I think she was. So even though she tries to, yeah, she tries so. to get him to confess, and she acts like very earnest about that, I think her intention was always to kill him. Um, yeah, I think, I think her intention was both. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I, you know, I mean, he definitely deserved it. So, oh, you know. sure. Um, <laughs> But no, it was the, it was a, a, a cooler ending, and that a lot of times in these when women are getting stalked in these movies, um, she ends up there ends up being a fight, and she kills him in self defense. And this was cool because right. she like made a premeditated plan to kill him, so that was pretty cool. Oh yeah, that was that was the thing. Okay, like at the end, the ending for me, I was like, when. Uh, because she makes it, of course, on film, on, on the, the, the security tape, it looks like he's killing himself. Right. Um, and I, I, and then and he, boom, and then he's dead. And I remember sitting there and going, oh, that's the ending? Right. I mean, because even though it's like it's over two hours, it's two hours, four minutes, uh, I, I remember being like, oh, it's over? Right. Because it just seemed, it seemed very abrupt to me. But, but <laughs> on the other hand... Like the look on her face when she, because she says something to the cop, I forget what it is, when she's walking out, you know, he's like, you know, you never had any intention of like, you know, getting right. a, a confession where you know, she's like, well, you know, I, I, you saw or whatever, and 
she kind of walks away and she's got like this smile on her face. I was kind of like, yeah, that's satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, I mean, it's probably the only way you would really know that it was over. And so, you know, she knows it's over. <laughs> well, and, and that also, I'm so glad because we've talked about this with horror tropes and stuff. I'm so glad we didn't like cut inside and the next thing you see, you see his hand twitch like he's awake or like he's alive still. I'm like, uh, you know, they didn't go that route. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, I definitely would like to watch the film again when I'm not as, um, nervous about jump scares and cause I kind of know where they are. <laughs> um, cause there were, there, I mean, there weren't a lot of jump scares, but there were a mm. couple. And yeah, um, considering the director, I was surprised that, uh, there weren't more. Yeah. I would, I mean, I know that, um, you know, Lee uh, Wannell, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, you know, Lee he wrote, he wrote the film, but I really feel like he must have had help from people pretty familiar with domestic violence in an intimate way because it was just portrayed better than I've seen it in a lot of other... I mean, we're, we're also going to talk about a Lifetime movie today, which they, I, <laughs> they ironically are better at uh, portraying domestic violence than, you know, films that are helmed by, you know, frankly, men. So, you know, I really, I was really pleasantly surprised and my oldest child and I, we were saying, we kind of like the movie more and more now thinking about it, you know, because when you watch it, you kind of don't know what to expect. Like, yeah. like, for instance, the first time he does something, she's cooking a meal in the kitchen and she leaves and he takes the knife, which is very, very chillingly done, right? The knife goes and disappears. And then yeah. he turns up the fire and creates a, a fire in the kitchen and I thought they were I thought he was going to basically um, you know gaslight her friends and you know alienate her from her support network yeah and it isn't quite the direction that it goes you know it was just I just <clears throat> felt like you I kind of didn't know what was going to be happening next um, and I didn't really know what his plan was <laughs> um, which you know his plan apparently was to um, you know, get her pregnant and get back with her and control her and all of that. But, you know, I did. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and isolate her from, uh, her, uh, like you said, her support system, right. too, because that way he, he has her all to himself. Yeah. Right. And he, but his, you know, I, I, I'd have to watch it again to know if he had a cogent plan the whole time or if he was kind of making it up as he went along. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I you know, I, I have to say, I, I, I give this an eight. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it. I do think it is. There's about the three quarter mark where I kind of felt like it could have been a little shorter. Mm -hmm. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight too. Um, mostly because like I, I like a horror movie to kind of. Um, I like to kind of know what I'm in for, and the movie I just couldn't get a beat on it. Um, but like I said, it was good, and I'm definitely gonna watch it again. And so, just to just to be willing to watch a horror movie again, it has to be pretty good, because um, you know I watch a lot of I watch a lot of horror that I'm not gonna need to see again. <laughs> let's just say, so, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> so now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, we will be right back um, after these words from our sponsors. <laughs> 
Way down in old Virginia, 300 years ago, Captain John Smith and Pocahontas shot their meat and aged it slow. They smoked it and they spiced it too for flavor at its best. Genuine Smithville barbecue surpasses all the rest. Yes, folks, it's 300 years of tradition and taste you savor when you ask for a Smithfield barbecue James River brand at our refreshment center. In each flavorful morsel of meat, you can smell the hickory oak and applewood and taste the rare herbs and spices required for its cure. Here is truly a fresh new taste from an ancient recipe. Oh, go for deep down flavor of the Smithfield country kind. Just step by the pill neighbor, find your taste, and lose your mind. Yow! chocolate with a magical flavor you won't be able to resist at our refreshment stand now. Yes, there's an air fee that's full-bodied, refreshing hot coffee makes any time a pleasant interlude. Won't you have some now? Hello. You know, when you fix an Italian food, everything has got to be just perfect. Especially when you're making a pizza. I'm going to show you. Looks good? <laughs> you betcha my life. And it's delicious. That's a pizza you get at the theater. So hurry up. Get yourself some. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies, Meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others, too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fright But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information, too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. And now, on with the show. Welcome back. Uh, once again, it's time for us to return to the video store for some cheesy treats. Kelly, what's our first pick? Dr. Beck has it all. Good looks, a high-powered career, a flash car, and a vacation house in Baja. He's the whole package except, well, he has a little problem with the ladies. And by a little problem, we mean he's a full-throttle, romantically insecure incel who is desperate to take a woman hostage, figuratively and literally, to find his soulmate. After performing life-saving heart surgery on teenage patient Sophie, our Dr. Beck quickly moves from inappropriate fantasies 
to the kind of stalker moves that would make Edward Cullen look like the soul of restraint. If you're looking for some uber-realistic, entirely upsetting lingerie-sniffing creepitude, you need to get your popcorn, pour a glass of boxed Zinfandel, and settle in to be stalked by my doctor. Let's go. We gotta go in there. I'm Dr. Beck, head of cardiology. You have to operate immediately, otherwise she will die. Doctor knows what he's doing. Gonna be fine, sweetheart. Hi, Sophie. How are you feeling today? Thank you for saving my life. What was he doing? He was just changing my bandage. Was there a female nurse present when he was doing that? No, should there be? Yeah. Well, I just love you, Dr. Beck. You know, sometimes I get the feeling he's like hitting on you or something. What? I can't socialize with my patients. If I do, I could lose my license. Hi, Sophie. Can I talk to you? What are you doing here? Dad, he was looking at me like he had a crush on me. We should get a new doctor. How did you know I like this kind of doll? I just saw it and I thought you'd like it. Did you tell Dr. Beck that Sophie collects dolls? No. The only way he would know is if he's looking in my bedroom window in the middle of the night. I think we should get a restraining order. And ruin this guy's career? It's natural for a patient to idolize their doctors. I snuck out. I walked out. They make up fantastic scenarios about us. Fantasy. Uh -huh. <laughs> She's fantasizing about all this. I'm not buying it. I haven't heard from my boyfriend, and I'm kind of worried about him. You need a new boyfriend. Ryan said that you tortured him. He swung his cane at me in my front yard, tried to kill me. How's this feel? I don't want you as her doctor. Thank you for operating on her heart, but you need to stay away from her. I can't wait to be away from her. You'll be free soon enough. Stupid bitch. Mom, what happened? I am a doctor! I'm a doctor! I am a doctor! Listen, I know where Dr. Beck lives, and I'm going over there. We need to talk to you. Yeah, can we come in? No. Get ready for surgery. I gave you your life. And I can just as easily take it away. I can reach in that chest of yours. Make that heart do anything I want it to. I'm ready now. Is this going to hurt? A little. You can't just leave me here, you're a doctor! I'm off the clock. <laughs> okay, okay, first of all, I, when, I, when I sat down and I looked at what I was going to watch, I was like, God damn it, Kelly. <laughs> Good, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> okay, and so then, 88 minutes later, I I love this fucking movie. I know. It's great. <laughs> and, and there's three sequels! No, no, no. There's only three films total. No, no, no. There's four. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, he, I, I, I looked it up. He just made one, like, uh, like six months ago. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. Uh, the, in the latest one, um, he is undercover at a, a sleep clinic. Oh, that's the Sleepwalker's Nightmare. Yes. I yeah. Okay, so you know, we might we might have to, you know, fire up cuz I've heard so I've heard the other sequels are just as good and I'm putting my quotes around the word good. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's Stock by My Doctor, Stock by My Doctor the Return. Uh and the third one what is it? Uh, Patient's Revenge. Patient's Revenge and then the Sleepwalker mm. one is the fourth one. And now first of all how did Eric Roberts go from like 
Star 80 and Runaway Train to Stalked by My Doctor, the series. Um, be, I mean, I the guy the guy works. He, he's made almost six. He has almost six hundred credits. Wow, yeah. And I looked at it for twenty twenty. He has sixty two credits. That's amazing. For twenty twenty. Amazing. And we're in June. <laughs> I mean, my God! So this guy works. This guy works a lot. And, you know, he goes from everything, you know, like as high up as, like, uh, you know, uh, Batman, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, um, you know, from stuff like that to Stalked by My Doctor. Um, This is... His performance is a fucking joy. (laughs) He is... So creepy, so over the top. There's, there is like, and there's no development either. It's not like an arc. It's not like he starts out a lonely guy, right? And 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 then slowly becomes obsessed with a pa- no, 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 no. Right out of the gate, he is batshit crazy. <clears throat> and you know, he start the movie starts. He's on a date, um, with uh with some woman, or he or he's waiting for her. And she hasn't shown up, so he calls her, and she's like, yeah, you know what, I, I'm not really feeling it, whatever, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be there. And, and he flips out, and, and, and goes and he drives like 120 miles an hour down the freeway or something, like screaming bitch and whatever. So <laughs> immediately you know he's not a normal person. <laughs> and, <laughs> and from then on, I mean... You know, obviously we have our, our main story where like the, this teenage girl is in a car accident because of her texting boyfriend who was driving, and and he immediately is 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 into her and horny for her, and does really horribly inappropriate shit as a doctor or just a human being right <laughs> right out of the gate, like oh I need to change change check your bandages oh how's that feel and you're like oh <laughs> um. Who gave this guy a job? He looks like an unmade bed all the time. Uh, his cl- have you noticed? I don't know if you've looked at any like not just this movie, but if you look at the trailers for the other three films in the series, it's like the the costumer didn't measure him properly. So all his coats right, and everything right, all right. have this weird. Like, it's like he's wearing the jacket. Uh, that David Byrne wore in Stop Making Sense. (laughs) There are all these gigantic things with his little head bobbing around in him, and and he looks bunched up. There's a scene where he's walking down the hall, and he's he's buttoning up his uh, white doctor's coat, and he just looks like uh, he slept in his clothes and nothing fits, and it's it's just odd. I I don't know, but one thing I can truly say is... <clears throat> this film, the film is a, a gift. And have a reputation for <laughs> it, it being, keeps you know, on giving. You know, bad they're good, kind of. Um, um, which is why I picked it. You know, I didn't watch trailers. I just, I just uh, picked it. And um, yeah, Eric Roberts yeah. himself, kind of. You know, he had some sort of horrible drug, alcohol, you know, sojourn that he's probably probably to have survived. And he, you know, alienated his much more successful sister and. Um, I, he kind of sounds like a dick, uh, uh, you know, he, like, I was reading article and he really, um, 
credits himself with his sister's success, which is, you know, seems like a stretch. Um, it seems like if my sibling was way more successful, I would probably not try to say that um, it's, you know, it's my doing. But, um, you know, he's he's been in so much stuff. And I do think of him, although, you know, he's not an untalented actor and he has been in some higher <laughs> profile uh, works. I do think of him as a B-movie actor. So I was, I was pretty excited to, to get into this series. And I have to say it is a weird... It is almost just like a completely oh, yeah. realistic depiction of a guy like this. Like, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of scenes where he goes off on his own and he kind of flips out and, you know, he tears up a doll or, you know, drives 120 miles an hour screaming bitch or whatever. But mostly he's just a very believable uh, guy like this. Like, just like he's, he's pretty good at plausible deniability you know there's several times where he gets confronted by um you know sophie or one of our parents or a co-worker or like the boyfriend and he's very polished in his denial like he's like oh you know she probably you know patients tend to fixate on their doctor like he's got a um and a you know a guy a guy like this is good at that right they they not only succeed in you know grooming their victims and and finding victims they succeed in grooming their co-workers you know so like that's how you get these um doctors who've abused you know 20 to 30 of their you know patients or more um so yeah. there were there were a lot of scenes that were just really <clears throat> uncomfortable <laughs> like you know what i mean like they weren't they weren't campy enough to be funny they were just really uncomfortable like the like really early on in the film, he goes in while yeah. she's as asleep or unconscious, and he starts kissing her. And I was like, I am so uncomfortable right now. And then when he he sneaks into her room and is rubbing around on her, her that was I was like, I am so yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> that scene in particular has to has to win him the overacting of the year award. It, it's. It's very much telling the story of the victim. You know, it's not, they're not, like, oh, they God. have a reputation for being, you know, not quality films. They're, but it's like the dark side Hallmark, right? Because it's like, yeah, it's weirdly kind of like PG, yeah. right? But but this is not a PG topic, right? So it's very, it's a very strange formula, and it... Oh, yeah, he, the, the dad, quite frankly, is a douchebag throughout the entire film. Right constantly they come up with evidence you know that this guy is a creep and he's yeah. you know clearly doing things that are over the line and that dad makes excuses for yeah. it all the time well, yeah it was um yeah obviously at the end it goes a bit uh off the rails right okay well it's been said that true genius is born from greatness in the case of director jess franco none of these things apply but this time, he's back with a new story of love, adventure, and severed heads. There's nothing quite like a summer in Spain, especially when you're living the good life at the European International Youth Club School of Languages. <laughs> a disfigured young man kills a woman with a pair of scissors and is sent away to an institution. Five years later, he's released into the custody of his super-hot sister, and voila, let the fires of incest begin. Plus, with all those nubile female students at the Institute of Blonde Ambition, there's plenty of new victims for our hero Miguel. And sure enough, murder begins by the bushel, including the funniest beheading you'll ever witness. 
But as Miguel really our killer, as sure as the disco theme of this film is Shake You Baby, we'll all learn the answer soon enough under the bloody moon. Your kiss is cold and icy as death. Your embrace deep as the night. Nonsense. He wants to kill me too. Nights of blood, nights of terror that will leave you breathless. Young girls in search of love and adventure become the prey of a bloodthirsty killer. Dream vacation becomes a nightmare. Bloody Moon, a film you won't soon forget. Bloody Moon. <laughs> oh God, this movie's so bad. <laughs> First of all. Don't think that I'm not using Shake Your Baby at the end of the show. <laughs> because it is such a terrible song. It's, a, it's this goofy like attempt at disco, and the only lyric... It, well, there's two sets of lyrics. There's Rock You Baby and Shake You Baby. Over and over and over for like three minutes. <laughs> With no variety. Um, so... Uh, God, this this is uh, like Jess Franco. Um, it, it, it is the perfect example to me of a director who had promise in the beginning and then went to just utter garbage. If you've ever seen any of his early stuff, like um, the Awful Doctor Orloff or the Diabolical Doctor Z, those are really really good films and they're black and white beautiful black and white great composition very creepy well paced really especially diabolical dr z is really really good um and then it's like at a certain point he just said fuck it um i just need to make as many movies as i can to make money and uh he everything was super cheap and he veered off even at one point into into porn um and uh there, his, his, the, the earmark of his films is just sloppiness and clearly just an, uh, an air of who cares and uh, so he was asked to do this it's basically like a Jalo slash slasher movie and it's absolutely ridiculous there's nothing in it of, of any sense of realism and well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to some of the other stuff uh, later, but uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, so um, I'm not a big Jess Franco fan. I, I do think of his uh, work as very porny, and then I think of his work as pretty dull. Um, like, you know, I had a friend tell me a few years ago that, that his Dracula was the most like the book. 
It and, is, yeah. Yeah, it is in a sense. Like, um, but it's but boring it's as shit. Boring. It is so boring. It, yes. I mean, I mean, it's a struggle to get through that film. Mm-hmm. Um, and this film, I I felt like it it started out strong in a sense. Like I was hoping for a lot more disco, and they kind of leave the disco behind, like almost right away. Like they have one cool disco number. Um, they also they also start out with incest. I think the very first line is a sister talking to her brother, and I mean they're just like they're like here's some incest. You're like, great, great. <laughs> this is gonna be yeah. Fun. So they've got the um, no. I, I haven't seen this film in a hot minute. It's been a couple weeks, but Miguel is the brother. Correct. And he's, with, with the really, really bad burn makeup. Yes, or, the, like I feel like I could, I could make something in my kitchen more convincing than his burn makeup. Oh, it, it's peeling off the entire film. Yeah. So he he stabs a young woman to death. Um, yes. And then they're like, okay, we're gonna lock you up for five years and let you back out. So okay. And um, he goes to hang out with his sister Manuela, and she's very villainous, and um, they've had some sexual relationship in the past, and the movie kind of implies that it's her fault that he went, um, he stabbed some young woman. Yeah. So then we're pretty much following Angela, so our final girl, Angela, and Angela's got a little group of friends, um, I don't know, Inga, Eva, I can't remember, and, you know, you just know that you're going to watch these young women getting killed in uh, pseudo-sexual ways. And then there's a couple other guys that show up. Like, um, is it Antonio is the gardener? Yes. And he's kind of like the ladies' man type. And um, and I have to laugh because they're, they're at some kind of a, a foreign language. Um, like, they're learning Spanish. But at some point in the film, like... They can't even speak remedial Spanish. Like, yeah. I'm like, what have they been learning this whole time? Like, right. So Angela's getting, um, her girlfriends are getting killed and she's feeling um, like she's being stalked. Right. And she is. Right. Yeah. And I think they, like, they, this is always the mark of a film that is just a total piece of shit. They kill a snake. <laughs> They yes. kill a snake on camera, which I'm just, it's just like the cheapest, most repulsive move for a movie to make. Yeah, they um, did the same thing in uh, the original Friday the 13th also. Yeah. Oh, I don't even remember that. Oh, yeah, when it gets yeah. in, the snake comes into the cabin. Just repulsive. Like, just yeah. so gross. Um, and then they, they run over a child. So the film is definitely trying very hard, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, trying to... to uh, shock us all right but um i was surprised to see them just like run over a kid like just like oh that was oh we have to talk about the decapitation scene why why i didn't feel like it was that special of a decapitation oh because okay well first of all uh this is inga who you know through the whole film everyone's been she's a beautiful woman and the whole film everybody's making fun of her because supposedly she can't get laid or whatever with with antonio and so you see her get picked up, um, and you assume. Uh, I I guess she thinks it's Antonio, in a mask, which right. is funny because you never, uh, you don't really see a mask f- ever in the movie except for like one brief shot. Like I guess it's supposed to be like a, like a stocking mask kind of thing, but, and she goes along with the entire time with him driving her out in the middle of nowhere to this rock quarry. Um. 
and he doesn't say a word. It doesn't bother her. He lets her tie him, tie her, lets him tie her down. Still, it's just like, oh, oh I guess, right, right. you know, and she's like, oh, well, you know, I guess, you, you know, f- great p- pleasure comes from pain, you know, and, what, and it's like, oh, my God, what do you, what is wrong with you? And so he ties her to the cement block and then turns on the, the, uh, the big blade that I guess is what they cut, you know, cement blocks with because there's also water, which they use, like, to lubricate the blade and everything. And this little kid sees what's going on and she's screaming and freaking out and he runs over and turns the switch off and of course so he knocks the kid the killer knocks the kid over and the kid leaves and so he turns it back on and boom she's decapitated probably one of the worst decapitations i've ever seen it's it's so clearly a mannequin and when the head gets cut off it you can see they show like the neck or whatever and you can see a tube sticking out yeah, yeah. spray spraying like this one thing of blood like right <laughs> i mean it's just comically and not terrible. only that but they they went back to that like it was some great shot yes right? i would have yes i would have maybe obfuscated that shot but they were like yeah look at this this looks realistic i'm like it it really doesn't I mean, yeah, I, and they I, zoom in on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so look at this. They were proud of that shot for some reason. Um. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. So then you cut to the kid running down the road, and he just plows right over the kid. Yeah. Which yeah. I was like, I don't remember like seeing a murder of a child in a movie that early. You know, cause yeah, that's like, well, like 1981 or something. Right, it's kind of rare, um, and for which I'm, I'm glad, but... Yeah, and there, you know, when she was chatterboxing while he was tying her down, she's like, "Oh well, that is the, like I don't know if that's like a dubbed film thing, but there's oh, always, it's totally yeah. There's always so much extra anus like speech where they're like, "Oh well, if that's what you want to do, blah blah blah." And I'm like, people don't talk like that. I'm like, yeah. if you're if you're dubbing and you're not even showing their mouths moving, why do you have to have such inane babble, right? Because they're just like, oh, wow, well, There was actually a lot of lines in the film that were, like, um, just in, like, inexplicably comedic, you know? It was very, oh, yeah. um, it was very Italian-dubbed, you know, horror-type crap, but yeah. So, you were, you were talking about <clears throat> the, the music, and the the thing with the film is it's all over the place musically. Mm-hmm. There's not not really a. You would think like you're saying, okay, if you're gonna do disco, do disco. Well, they don't do that. Originally, there was supposed to be Pink Floyd was supposed to do the soundtrack. <laughs> now this is this is what Jess Franco says. And then they uh, the, the producers couldn't afford them or something, and so they ended up getting some guy, uh, this uh, a German. Uh, composer named uh, Gerhard Heinz, who also, by the way, does the great Shaky Baby. Um, and so all he does to try and sound like Pink Floyd is this one chord over and yeah, yeah. over throughout the... the <laughs> like this dreamy, like we're trying to sound like Wish You Were Here or something, right? And that's terrible. Um, but... I, the the rest of the film, I, the the score is just it's all over the place because they'll throw in like a disco thing, and then they throw in so, like this really bizarre, like uh uh, like somebody tinkering with a moog, yeah, where it's like this, like it's like really 
it's just it's just so out of place and strange. So let me ask you. Okay, so you get to the end of the film, and we're, we're revealing the killer here. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think we all knew that Manuela was behind everything. I mean, right. they pretty much because early on, she it's clear like uh, the, the old lady that she's waiting to inherit the money from. She's basically like set on fire with a torch to her face, and uh, <clears throat> and we keep seeing Manuela pushing her around the estate. Right. Right. In the chair. What did that accomplish? I, I don't know. know. <laughs> but wasn't that just? <clears throat> I feel like they were just copying Psycho. Like it was just well, a cheap uh, grab for Psycho. Well, yeah, because they do have like a, a Psycho-esque scene later where right. our, our heroine, uh, you know, finds her and turns her around. Oh, she's like this burnt husk. Um, so the killer is revealed to be her teacher from the institute. Right. Okay, but that's all well and good. But who is the bald guy that we also see near the end with those clamp things? Because remember that one girl, um, and I keep saying that one girl because they're like Xeroxes of people. They have no personality. They all look the same. They're all blonde. And she gets killed like at her doorstep with these clamps to the head. Or something like he lifts her off the ground with these clamps and I guess he's supposed to be crushing her head or something like that. And so, like, when she gets in a fight with the teacher, you know, um, and he's got that stocking mask on, she runs out, and then she runs into the bald guy, and he's got the clamps. He's like, ah, 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 and he's coming after her, like, wait a minute. who, uh, Who's that? What is he doing there? And then he's never seen again. Yeah, he was, that, he was like the Bush's lurker guy, right? He was yeah. just one of those guys thrown in there as a red herring. I don't remember the scene you're describing. Um, it's near the very end. Yeah, I mean, I remember that part of the movie, but I don't remember him. I didn't remember thinking he was complicit at all. It was just the teacher. But, like, yeah, they have, like, four, at least four men that they're hinting could be the killer, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, um, no, I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I have to just, like, the, the film is very proud of stabbing, I don't know if it's Eva or... Through the, through the breast, you know. Yes. And the film was, like, definitely very uh, pleased with itself for that. And then they keep showing her body, and her the knife is sticking out of different parts of her chest. Yes! <laughs> it's just, like, it's just different, like my... Different areas and different directions. Yeah, the, yeah. It's just, it's, you know, yeah. So the the film, like, I, I feel like if you're going to make shitty special effects, why not be proud of them, right? Why not just, yeah. like, here they are, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's hysterical because... It, it, in some shots, the hilt is in her back, right. and the blade coming out the front, and then other ones, the hilt's in the front, yeah. and the blade coming out the back, and then it's like, once one is in, like, the first time you see it happen, it's in, it comes out her breast, the next thing you see it is in her, the center of her chest. Yeah, like her sternum, yeah. Yeah, and, and then, like, another point, it's, like, below her breast, I'm like, what is happening? And she, we have this standard scene, which is hysterical, too, where she, at the end, you know, which is very much like a Friday the Thirteenth trope, where it's like, oh, now I'm going to keep running into the bodies of my dead friends. Right, right, right. And they, they like, oh, like the uh, the one girl, or her head's in the bed. It's just her head, and then the other one's hanging from the ceiling, and then uh, the other one's in the closet, and so and most of these women weren't killed in this manner. So this means that the teacher had to take the time to set this up. Right. Because uh, he killed the girl with the clamps and crushed her skull or whatever, but when you see her, he, she's hanging from the ceiling, 
Right. The, I, I don't know. And also, <laughs> like, so the whole point was she was planning, Manuela was planning to frame her brother so that she would be the heiress to this. Correct. Right. Why the hell does Angela need to be involved at all? Why go through the effort of, like you say, staging bodies for Angela? Who gives a shit? After at least yeah, one, all you get, all you gotta do is kill one person and pin it on your brother, right? Like that's yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was very. Um, it's not like they're like trying to frame her. No, exactly. It was very goofy. So what was the what's the point of that? And then like you know at the end, like the the, the, the uh, Manuela kills the teacher with like a uh, a, a hedge trimmer. A hedge trimmer. Yeah. She she cuts through his torso or whatever. And and he like just stands there like ah. Yeah, and takes it. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then she kind of goes to Ava. She, is, is is Ava? Is that the heroine? No, Angela. I don't even know. Angela. Angela. Oh yeah, Angela. Um, and she's like, you know, I just killed him. So like, uh, it, it, but he killed everybody. So you saw it. So you keep your mouth shut. You know. It's <laughs> like, well, then why were you trying to kill her? I don't. I don't know. Well, it's just it's ridiculous. It, it was, and um, you know the. I believe that she stabbed Manuela stabs her brother straight through the neck uh, yes. with a pretty big blade and you're like okay that's game over and then like 20 minutes later he pops up he's like I'm, I'm actually fine <laughs> yeah it's like the Terminator <laughs> yeah. like, dun, he's dun, got dun, the dun, knife dun. through his neck and he's like yeah I'm, I'm good you know it's just a flesh wound but yeah um, I have to say like Angela had some cool clothes here and there like the last third of the film, she's wearing this like very fashionable off-the-shoulder jersey that I was I was quite compelled by, and I, I did try to look up the costumer because I I really did like some of the clothes, and I couldn't kind of it was a dead end, a bunch of Italian <laughs> crap, but um yeah. you know that that was kind of interesting. Like there was some there was some cool fashion in there. There was also some shit, but um yeah. Did yeah. you like the red outfit that she had on at the end? Uh, it was like a wrap, like a dress. It was like kind of wrapped around. It was real skin tight. I can't remember it actually. That's funny. I think I just like the blue jersey, and uh, it's been a minute since I saw it. But uh, it's one of those films like I don't people. It, it seems like people. It doesn't even have a cult following. You know what I mean? It's just like it just <laughs> it happened, and a few people know about it, and that's about it. You know. I, I think that's the pretty appropriate way. It happened. Yeah, it happened. That's the thing that happened. You know. <laughs> We don't know why it just exists. Yeah, um, yeah. It uh, it is. I, I picked it because when I watched it, and I still feel this way. I, I think it's an entertaining mess. Uh, it, it is because it's it's there's it, by no stretch of the imagination is this a good film. It it is just terrible. It's inept. It's sloppy. The continuity is a joke. Uh, there's just there's something. For me, it's almost Ed Woodian right. in its in its incompetence uh, that made me enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I give it like a six on, on like a scale of how entertained was I. Uh, but it, it, it's not for everybody to like. If you're just like, oh, I'm looking for something fun to watch. Yeah, I'm probably not for you. But if you like something that's like maybe a bad movie, then yeah, it's, it, it might be up your alley. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, it's just not my type of, like, like a slasher has to have something else going on for it for me to like it, so I, I'm giving it a five. Um, 
if though if you if one of our listeners if you like slashers and like jellos you should watch it because it's funny you know it's it's like a, oh yeah the completest would want to watch it would i put this one on for my bad movie night no because it's not it's not campy enough to be fun um although there are moments that are certainly great like i said the the whole disco beginning was super strong i wish they would have kept to that um you know, I wish they would have barged in with more disco hits or disco not hits, whatever you would call that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so funny because there's several songs in there, um, especially that opening song where it's like you can tell they're trying to sound like somebody right. without copyright right, infringement. Right. Yeah, because it sounds very, very much like ABBA. Right, right, right. But they, you know, they're trying to do like Dancing Queen, but instead it's like, um, you know strutting prince right. or something you know like it, it's it's just so it, yeah. uh, just terrible well fortunately uh, there are just so many more films like this in in your vhs cabinet and i feel like you're going to be exposing <laughs> me to one after the other um every every month and and, and like i say every month you're yeah, welcome thank you yeah <laughs> So uh, it was, we had a lot of stalking, a lot of stalks going on in this, um, these, all three of these movies are just women being stalked. Like, that was kind of where we went. Yeah, it is, it's kind of, it was kind of like stalker month, yeah. yeah. It's not even Valentine's, (sighs) but yeah, that's, that's how we went. Okay, well that's it for this month's show. Uh, if you'd like to email us, feel free at the, uh, moviemorgue1 at att.net uh, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram feeds for our latest news and miscellaneous BS and please stop by our page on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review don't forget to subscribe and you'll never miss a moment of the insanity next month we'll be back with more excitement with three new films to haunt your very soul until next time remember with great power comes great responsibility and we'll see you next time Miles.
I feel so horny. 